The podcast is more than just, you know, reiterating the the lecture. It's about getting to know the person. And then also I've come to find that it's it's been a useful resource for a lot of scholars who want to stay abreast of the latest research in Southeast Asian studies. And that's their way to um, their way to do it. It was a desire to try something new more than anything else. And this seemed a way to also easily spread ideas all around the world. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. We meet some of the teams behind two other Cornell-based language and culture podcasts. The next monsoon, examining artistic and cultural responses to climate change in South Asia, and Gaddy Lecture Rewind, conversations and interviews with visiting scholars working in and around Southeast Asia. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. We are joined today by colleagues involved with two other exciting podcasts at Cornell. Daniel Bass and Shavin Sinevaratne are the co-hosts of The Next Monsoon, a podcast produced by the South Asia program. And Francine Barchet and Emily Falica are involved with the Gaddy Lecture Rewind, a podcast produced by the Southeast Asia program. Welcome to Speaking of Language. Thank you, Angelica. It's good to be back here. Thank you for having Thank us. Angelica. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be yeah, here. Yeah, really excited to be here. It's great to have all of you in the studio today. Let's start um, by having each of you introduce yourself and sh- please share with our listeners a bit more about your background and your path with languages. Daniel, maybe you could start for us. Sure. I'm Daniel Bass. I'm the manager of the South Asia program, part of the Mario Anaudi Center for International Studies at Cornell University, and one of the co-hosts of the Next Monsoon podcast. And my journey with languages, I studied uh, Tamil and Singhala during graduate school at the University of Michigan for my dissertation research in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. I actually came to Cornell to study Singla for a summer. Mm-hmm. When it was offered here in the summer, I thought it was a wonderful place to be. And I should come and work here and be here all year long. There you go. Um, and I've been at Cornell for seven years. And uh, there are several other languages in my journey as well. There was French, Russian, Hebrew. I took Yiddish wow. a few years ago Good. here. But... Uh, Singla and Tamar, at least the main research languages <laughs> that I use that I had FLAS fellowships for while in graduate school, but that's the subject of another podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Shivan Sandavaratna, and I'm a master's student in architecture at Cornell University, and I'm also the co-host for the Next Monsoon podcast. Um, my journey with languages, well, I grew up speaking Vietnamese, um, so Yes, and my dad is Sri Lankan, mm-hmm. but I can't speak Sinhalese very well. The mm-hmm. only words that I know, I feel like it's more about food. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is very important. A good place to start, yeah. It's the most important place to start. <laughs> yeah. uh, Francine. So I am a PhD candidate at Cornell in natural resources and the environment, but actually I've kind of been around Cornell for a while. And my pathway in languages really started when I was an undergraduate and um, going to high school in Southwest Michigan, you know, I, I took Spanish classes growing up, but I didn't really learn anything. It was mm. just, you know, like one 
um, one class, couple days a week, and mix of Spanish and English kind of thing. And you know what? Maybe it sounds a little silly, but like I was kind of envious of people who it seemed like they had a couple different spaces in their brain and they could just like mm. think yeah. in other languages and speak in other. And I was just like, wow, they're geniuses. I would like to see if I can reach that. And mm. um, and so when when I started as an undergrad at Cornell. I made an undergrad bucket list, and uh-huh. one of the things that I wanted to achieve was to reach fluency. Um, now I know it's more of a relative term, but an advanced <laughs> level of, yeah. of another language. And so I, um, I blotted out a couple of choices. I thought, you know, Mandarin or Arabic would be difficult in, you know, the four-year undergrad period. Um, I also... Wanted something that wasn't so niche, but, you know, that had a, a good amount of, um, of speakers, but that would be relevant to what I was studying and was interested in. Again, being at Cornell as an undergrad, there were signs, like, everywhere around the, um, the, um, the arts quad, the just, okay, all around Cornell campus that was, like, Southeast Asia program, <laughs> learn Indonesian, learn there Vietnamese. There you go, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, let me see. I don't I don't really know very much about that region. I didn't even know that was, like, what Southeast Asia was. And so then I, like, go on to Google and learn about, you know, Southeast Asia, the different language options. And then I decided, hey, if I'm going to learn another language, I don't want it to just be in a classroom setting. I want to have, mm. you know, the opportunity to practice it in a country or in a culture where, you know, it, it, it's an immersive experience. And so that's where I really got interested in Indonesian because, mm. you know, it's the fourth largest country in the world, largest Muslim majority population. I was studying international agriculture and rural development, um, was very interested in the oil palm mm. um, industry. Yeah. And, and so I was like, oh, that sounds very interesting. In addition to the fact that it's a critical language, according to sure. what the Department of State and the Department of Education. And so there's all sorts of opportunities mm-hmm. for Americans, you know, if, if you're taking the language seriously to um, to go on the critical language scholarship program, which that's sure. what I did um, in, I think, 2018. And then there's... Um, a few other, a few other areas where I was not only able to learn Indonesian in a classroom setting, but um, two, um, two immersive semesters. So that really like opened my, um, well, helped me fulfill my my language bucket list at Cornell and got me interested in in that region of the world. And then more broadly, in terms of what I do at Cornell, um, yeah, my research more so focuses on Southern Africa and hmm. um, wildlife conservation, but particularly legal and illegal hunting. Oh wow. Um, I am still somewhat at the beginning of my work, but I am trying to find ways to do cross comparisons to Southeast Asia. And then I still have, you know, this great <laughs> passion and, and history there. Wow. Um, and, you know, Cornell, any person, any study. In um, any language. In any language. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Emily, uh, what about you? What's your journey with language look like? Yeah, so when I started undergrad, um, I started in political science, but very quickly got pushed into Asian studies. But my university had a huge focus on learning languages. Like Mm. you had many language requirements for that degree specifically. So I ended up taking Derision Arabic, Japanese, and Korean in undergrad. Mm. I can't really speak (laughs) many of uh, many words in any of them, but we're still working on it. Um, Mm. Good, good. And uh, when I was in undergrad, I focused a lot on North Korean ideology Hmm. and history. Oh, interesting. Um, So I leaned more towards learning Korean because there's 
not a lot of access to education and history from North Korea in English. Um, you kind of have to be able to read Korean to know mm-hmm. what their press statements are saying or know someone who can translate it for you. Um, so once I graduated, I actually moved to Korea, South Korea for two years and worked with uh, North Korean NGOs to teach English as well as private schools because those pay a lot more than um, NGOs <laughs> do to um, teach English. Uh, and so about a year ago, I moved here and started working for the Southeast Asia program as the nice. program assistant. Um, it's been really fun. I've been learning so much about you know, the language learning resources and how more undergrads need to be taking Southeast Asian languages Mm -hmm. because, like Francine said, there's so many resources and, Mm -hmm. like, academic opportunities Mm -hmm. for learning them because a lot of them are critical languages. So my future is still a little blurry. Will I start maybe learning Indonesian? Yes. Will I actually (laughs) dig into Korean and finally learn how to write it? Yes. Ah, We'll see. One or the other. No, both. Stay tuned. And then some. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not both, but we'll pick one. We'll pick one. (laughs) One at a time. One Mm -hmm. at a time. Excellent. Well, Danielle and Shivin, as both of you mentioned, you are co-hosting The Next Monsoon. Tell us about your podcast. How did it get started? What is it about? Who is the audience? Well, the podcast started as part of a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities that Mm. the South Asia program received. And it's part of a larger project uh, called The Next Monsoon, uh, Contemporary Cultural Responses to Climate Change in South Asia. Mm. And it's going to culminate in a conference at the end of October, October 27th to 29th at the Johnson Museum of Art. There are about 20 scholars from all around the world coming to present their work about uh, climate change, responses to climate change in South Asia. And uh, this will also result in a book as part of next year, as well as the second season of the podcast. Because mm-hmm. one goal of the NEH grant is public dissemination of ideas. Sure. And so we decided to do a podcast as part of that. Mm-hmm. And so Wonderful. season one came out last spring, and then season two will be in spring 2024. Nice. So in our podcast, we had six speakers, mm-hmm. and they are from, they have very different backgrounds. So I think it's it's exciting to speak to them with different expertise. expertise. Yeah. Because um, in all, I think they give a really great discussion about how Besides academia, how they engage with people on like on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, that that gets the discussion going and hopefully fuel how we'll think about the conference. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, in the first season we had six episodes, each one focusing on a different scholar, uh, including uh, the collaborators, the principal investigators on this grant, uh, the former director of the South Asia Program, Iftikhar Dadi, the current director. Uh, Sarah Besky, as well as their colleagues, uh, Sunal Kulur from University of Pennsylvania and Rupali Gupte from the School of Environment and Architecture in Mumbai, hmm. as well as uh, a Cornell alum, Jason Kahns, who's now at Texas, and another scholar, Asan Kamal, who is uh, based in Pakistan. Nice. So who is the audience that you're trying to reach? Obviously, thanks to the grant, not only focused on Cornell, right? But focused yeah. on the world. Everyone. It's an, <laughs> we're trying to reach everyone. Whoever it, it gets. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it is, you know, I think a primary audience are people who are primarily interested in um, 
climate change in South Asia mm-hmm. or arts and culture in South Asia because it's very much about humanistic responses to climate change. This is not about the science. No. It's mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. artists, architects, filmmakers, and everyday people uh, respond to climate change uh, through their culture. So anyone who's interested in that in any part of the world, I think, has something to gain from it. And it's also, it's the way that we talk with our um, speakers. It's very natural, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not such a, like, we're not really going into a very deep discussion, academic discussion. So the hope is everyone would be interested in Mm -hmm. listening to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And one of the my favorite parts of the podcast is the very first question, which was something that oh, Shavin yeah. had wrote. But <laughs> she asked each of the speakers, what do you think of when I say the word monsoon? Mm, and yeah. it was wonderful. You could hear it in their voices. People, like, memories came back to them. And mm. when I'm talking about peacocks dancing in the rain in Delhi oh, or yeah. talking about floods in Karachi or talking about just overwhelming humidity <laughs> in <laughs> Bengal. And so, like, these, you had these, like, visceral reactions that you yeah. can, we could see on their faces, but you could hear in their voices as everyone yeah. talked about their memories of Monsoon. And that led to a kind of more comfortable, casual conversation sure, yes, and not a, just a high-level academic one. Yeah. Who came yeah. up with the title? The title was, I had come up with the title of the next Monsoon mm-hmm. for uh, the grant as we were trying to find a word, yeah. something to signify South Asia, but not spe- specify it. Mm-hmm. I think I was prone to do it because I also host a bi-weekly radio show called yeah. Monsoon Radio on yeah. WRFI Community Radio in Ithaca. And when I told my daughter about this podcast, she's like, you're, you're creating this monsoon cinematic universe. <laughs> the MCU. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I found one metaphor works, and I'm trying awesome. it in as many places as possible. That's great. So, Emily, you assist with the logistical end of Gaddy Lecture Rewind. How did your podcast come about? So I was not here when the podcast came about. Oh. I was um, handed the login for all of our software <laughs> and um, upload, like, uh, our platforms that we used to upload and told, you make sure you pay these every month. <laughs> um, I was given a very brief history. I think friends can probably speak more on the history of it because I'm more involved with the undergraduate student workers, helping them with production and buying them microphones and answering their questions. Yeah, I can speak a little bit to the history. Um, So I also did not start the podcast. Um, (laughs) It's And I'm kind of glad I didn't in that it was already set up and ready to go. I think when Emily and I waltzed in, we had a a, a good pre-existing, I want to say there were 50 podcasts already up. Yeah. Um, And so Michael Kirkpatrick Miller... Michael K. Miller. He started the podcast maybe three or four years ago mm-hmm. um, with this idea that, that he had circulated to folks in the Southeast Asia program of, you know, shouldn't we um, share some of the insights of the, the Gaddy Lectures, which is this endowed lecture series at, at Cornell in the Southeast Asia program? Shouldn't we share those insights to a broader audience? You know, maybe people aren't able to make it to the Gaddy Lectures. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that was really the the original um, reason behind the podcast, and it's it's kind of morphed over time. And there was a period during COVID where 
the um, the lectures were being recorded on Zoom. Sure. Mm-hmm. So like a couple of the people that we interviewed, they're like, well, what's the difference between having a, a recording that's put on YouTube and a podcast recording? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there, there is a difference. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we get um, a much wider audience for one thing. Um, I'm thinking about the reasons I listen to podcasts. You know, I'm going on a run. I'm exactly. driving to the store. Yeah. It's a, a more, you know, a, a very rising form of, of media. And we also do it a bit differently than just digesting someone's Gaddy lecture points in that I try to make it fun mm-hmm. where you're getting to know the person personally as well as their scholarly work and just kind of warming up. What's your fun fact? We get very interesting fun facts. One person was like, what's it called when you're like putting your fingers back all the way? Like they demonstrated. Hypermobile? Something like that. Hmm. But a word for that? I think there's a word for that but she like demonstrated in person and then the um we have two production managers and they were like doing that beside the guest and I was like oh Uh, gross I can't do that um (laughs) my point is um the podcast is more than just you know reiterating the the lecture it's about getting to know the person and then also I've come to find um that it's it's been a useful resource for a lot of scholars, um, junior up to senior level, who want to stay abreast of the latest research sure. in Southeast Asian studies, and yep. that's their way to uh, their way to do it. So, Francine, how did you end up becoming involved with the podcast? Good question. <laughs> I so I, I shared earlier that a lot of my my undergraduate experience was um, centered around Southeast Asian studies, and I still have a deep love and passion mm-hmm. for that region. And so, as I was starting my my doctorate program, I had a research topic that um, wasn't Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. but I was like, I want to keep my connection sure. to mm-hmm. um, to that group, and I also. Um, for me, my my career intentions beyond PhD are going in being in, in a non-academic setting. And so it's very important to me to be able to communicate to different audiences and through mm-hmm. different communication means. And so I was like, uh, when I saw the the Gaddy um, Gaddy podcast advertisement, like we need mm-hmm. a new host, um, I was yeah. like, I, I should check that out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, yeah, that's how I fell into those shoes. Yeah. Nice. So what about the audience specifically for Getty Lecture Rewind? Who are you trying to reach? Who are you reaching? There's many answers to that. (laughs) I think something that's really cool about the Southeast Asia program here is that we're not just a resource on campus, but we have a huge international reach Mm -hmm. um, on multiple social media platforms as well as when it comes to the podcast. So I think the audience is literally anyone who wants to have access to like a really cool, I don't even want to, I don't want to say elite, but like elite experience where like you you get to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with someone you normally wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to meet if you're in a different situation i know like i grew up being homeschooled so things like podcasts youtube Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. recorded was really important to my education if i wanted to take it a step above just whatever workbooks i was doing and even in my undergrad um, my university really only had resources 
for wanting to study, you know, China, but I wanted to study things mm. that were relating to North Korea. Mm-hmm. So being able to tap into another university's resource yeah. to be able to expand my own education is really important to me. And I think that's something we still try to do with a lot of our events, not just the podcast, mm-hmm. is make it so it's accessible to everyone, yeah, not great. just students who can make it to the lecture. Absolutely. Yep. Big yeah. believers here at the LRC and open educational resources. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to add on a little bit to Emily's point where when I'm interviewing guests, I you know I share with them a list of questions in advance. And I also prep them by saying, this is our, our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to, okay, I'm a social scientist. I know it's very hard to collect data when it comes to surveys. Um, so like we've tried to sure. survey our listener base. We yeah, even yeah. had a like a commercial on our podcast, uh-huh. like, please fill out our survey. And, um, you know, if NPR I really... does that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, people would, I, I think they were to win a gift certificate toward mm-hmm. a book from the Cornell Southeast Asia Program or something like that. Yeah. But three people yep. maybe filled out uh-huh. the survey. Um, but in terms of, like, interactions that I've had with people who say, I'm a proud listener of your mm-hmm. podcast, it's... I would say anything from undergraduate level to senior academic, um, very diverse interest mm-hmm. related to, nice. to Southeast Asian studies. And as Emily stated, you know, the Southeast Asia program is, it's an amazing resource. And um, one of, if not the top Southeast Asian studies institutions outside of Southeast mm-hmm. Asia. Um, so the fact that we have, you know, we're gathering top scholars and novelists and, you know, others who are not from academic backgrounds to have conversations around their work and mm. have that um, given to a broad audience for free. Yeah. You know, something that we're really yeah, proud wonderful. of. Yeah, that's great. Great resources. So that sort of helps me segue into my next question for you. Um, why did you choose this medium? Why a podcast? What about that made sense for conveying this message and information? When we were writing the grant, uh, Sarah Baskey, the professor in ILR and now the director of the South Asia program, came up with the idea of podcast because we were trying to find something different for public mm-hmm. dissemination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just posting on social media is not enough. Or yeah. Yeah. we're going to we're creating a website as well, but some ways of moving out. And um, it seemed like this really like okay, something new. We'll try mm-hmm. it. And then we got the grant. We're like, oh my. <laughs> now we got to write podcast. <laughs> who's gonna host? Who's gonna host it? Who's gonna write it? And over time, we realized that I had a lot of experience with uh, with audio um, medium, although I had not done a podcast. Um, and I also want to credit our uh, SAP administrator Gloria Lemu Chavez, who had who composed the music. Oh yes, theme music for the podcast. Nice, She's also provided um, production supervision. She's uh, very familiar with recording and has helped uh, uh, Shavin in a lot of the editing production and dealing with the sound, um, as well as, of course, uh, Sam, who whoop, helped whoop. us record yeah. the podcast in the beautiful LRC studios. Yes, yes. And had a great time doing it. <laughs> which we are now <laughs> occupying. Um, so it was, a, it was a desire to try something new more than anything mm-hmm. else, and that this seemed a way to also easily spread ideas all around the world. Because mm-hmm. the podcast is available on all your major podcast networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and as you said, because you're you're more interested in making this broadly accessible, and it's not 
very like scientific and academic, right? I think podcast, yeah. True. the podcast medium is is nice and easy to digest and a and a good introduction. Yes. Yeah, and also just you can listen to podcasts anywhere yeah, whenever true. you're doing anything. So mm-hmm. it's very much like listening to a conversation in your head. Well, you're very careful following your model that most of the podcasts are roughly 30 minutes in length. Mm. So this mm-hmm. is a yeah. a nice, tight, enjoyable mm-hmm. conversation with, mm-hmm. you know, with much of the kind of filler cut out, of a conversation cut out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, Shavin's great work on that one. <laughs> it is, uh, yes, it is great work. I, I can understand and relate to oh. yes. <laughs> that process. <laughs> So you already hinted at this, but please repeat. Where can our listeners find out more about your podcasts? The Gaudi Lecture Rewind, you can find on all major podcasting platforms. So Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. We're also on the Cornell Southeast Asia Program website. Mm-hmm. So there's many different places you can find us. Also, if you just Google Cornell Gaudi Lecture Rewind, we pop up. Shavin, what about your podcast? Where can we find the next monsoon? Well, you can find it on any platform where you usually listen to your podcast also. Yeah. Awesome. And you've hinted at this a little bit as well, but uh, what are your future plans for your podcasts? Uh, For next monsoon, you've mentioned there's a second season coming. Anything else you want to tease while you're here? For our second podcast season, um, we're going to be interviewing on the spot of hmm. our all our guest speakers. So all the people that will be attending the conference cool. will be yeah. pulling them aside, questioning them about, yeah, just their experience and, and how they feel about the work that's happening in place. Nice. So it'll be very uh, lively, I hope. Mm-hmm. And we'll also we'll be recording the entire conference itself. So hopefully sure. there will be mm-hmm. some good excerpts from the mm-hmm. conference and presentation, mm-hmm. and then we can have a little bit of those clips and then a clip to Shavin interviewing them. So we're trying to go from less a kind of one person per time and maybe a more topical mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. approach to things. But we'll have to see how things go, what the material we get yes. uh, <laughs> when uh, the conference happens at the end of October. Of course. Great. What might you be able to tease for upcoming episodes or, or installments of Gaddy Lecture Rewind? I know you can probably tease future episodes better. I can talk a bit more about our podcasting plans in general for the future. Go for it. Okay. So we're obviously going to continue the lecture series. Um, We have two undergraduate producers right now that are so excited Mm. to not only continue making episodes, but maybe make some live recorded content that could turn into reels, TikToks, Mm -hmm. um, or maybe do some game show episodes. They've been brainstorming in the office like crazy. Um, But we're also going to be launching a pilot for a new podcast soon as well. Um, that would be focusing on film inside of Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, they'd be talking about it in English while the movies will not be in English Um, and talking about how those movies impact Southeast Asia and other places around the world, too. Nice. Yeah, well... Interesting news you share about the students brainstorming. (laughs) (laughs) They haven't shared with me yet. Um, But anyways, we are, you know, thinking about have been seriously thinking about what is ultimately the purpose of the podcast. Because I think originally, and it's been to this point, 
it is reiterating the Gaddy Rewind with a personal twist and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we realize, you know, our listener base is approximately 150 per podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like, should we change up some of the programming and include other things as it relates to Southeast Asian studies? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, like, one small-scale thing that we've done is there's... There are the graduate co-chairs of the Gaddy Lecture Series, and so they're doing their graduate studies in something Southeast Asia-related. So sure. um, each each season, I interview them. And so last time, my last time, excuse me, last year there were we did a um, an interview. Sorry, was it the yeah, it's the episode? hot ones. I, I'm trying to call to mind it. So you know the way that the hot ones goes, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> or it's this this TV show where you are eating progressively spicy food. While yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that Southeast Asia <laughs> style, oh. and um, and Emily and a few others had. I think shopped around Ithaca and found some really cool um, oh, nice. niche foods for yeah. us to to cool. dig into while while having that conversation. So that's um, that's something a bit different. But beyond that, we kind of selfishly because we want to travel a bit. Um, I was I was talking with the program producers and we're thinking about um, what about attending you know one of the Southeast mm. Asia conferences yep. or meeting alums in different areas or actually there's I'm forgetting the the name of the town but this like little Indonesia in Massachusetts huh. that has this yeah. annual festival so kind of like you know giving a different spice or flavor uh-huh. to the to the podcast and then another thing that we're thinking about moving forward is um you know the the Gaddy Rewind podcast is ultimately a, a Cornell podcast and kind mm-hmm. of advertisement for Cornell And so, although our advertisement for doing the survey was not successful, we think it would be cool to have maybe like a 30-second snippet every podcast or so. We don't know if it should be the beginning or the end, but that would highlight an undergrad who's studying Southeast Asian studies or they just did an internship, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in Cambodia, and they have these insights. Or someone, it could be, you know, even a full tenured professor who has sure. something to say. But just like, you know, here's a highlight of someone at Cornell who's doing something really cool in Southeast Asian studies. Yeah. And I think it would really up Great the hype for yeah. um, for this institution. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Giving me uh, giving me some ideas for, for future there episodes go, and seasons right? for us. And like, I don't know if we should bring any hot wings into the studio. Well, <laughs> I was about to say, of course, we're going to start with food. Okay, Hello, great. Sam, come on. Cool. Yeah. Well, we can we can maybe start by tasting different candies. Great. We can Chocolates, come up with right? a way to justify to that for our sweeter. No, 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 no. We don't like sweet. Yeah, okay. that would be less <laughs> sweet, progressively yes. bitter over time. Ooh, yeah. Or yeah. I mean, different different sodas from different countries. Um, oh, the options are limitless. I'm now here we're, for now it. we're thinking cheeses. Yeah. I mean, hello. Uh, cheese, cheeses of the world. Yeah. yeah. I'll really stop by. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we come back for this one? We, yeah. yeah, we're yeah absolutely. Carbonation might be a problem because you get bubbly or you're, you're not, you're going to get burping into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Some some ASMR content for our oh, listener base. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We're not going to go there, no. though. <laughs> oh, boy. So this is all really fascinating, and we are so delighted to hear about all these other podcasts that are happening on Cornell's campus. 
Before we sign off, we would like to ask each of you to share a word in a language that you speak, you love, you are learning, you may want to learn, that doesn't exist in English, but you wish it did. Shavin, why don't you start? It's like a sassy word, I would say. Ooh. It's in Vietnamese, and it's, a, it's like jian. And it's going to be so funny if Vietnamese speakers listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, it's like um, I, to me, it's, it's fun. It's more like a, a gossip word where you're like, oh, um, it's like you're flamboyant, but you're also a little bit sneaky, sly. Ah, okay. Um, sometimes it's used in like a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but I think... The way we speak about it, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. say it's like, it, it's fun. And I can't, I can't use it to describe in English in yeah, a proper yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's a mix of flavors. Nice. Cool. Love that. So I could think of, uh, I struggled in f- trying to find words. I thought, oh, there's this word, but maybe it's two words in English or something like that. But uh, I have two different words that I chose. One is the Yiddish word nachas, which means the joy, pride, and gratification that one feels at the success of somebody else, particularly mm. one's own children. Oh, oh that's so nice. <laughs> so uh, this is as a parent of yeah. two kids. When I see them succeed, they're becoming adults. They're 20 and 17 now, and that kind of pride of yeah. feeling like that. Of, oh, that's beautiful. Because there's also, there's also an odd way of that parental feeling of warmth. It's a little self-centered. Like, I did something right. I no read kidding. It. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh. And so that feeling of nachas. Is, uh, is very key. Um, but I also wanted to pick up a word from a uh, uh, language that I use in Tamil. It's the word ur. And it means literally village or home, but it also has a sense of hometown, mm. and, but also a sense of community, mm. but also some sense of like connection to the land, almost like the terroir of like French uh-huh. wine. Like somehow your ur is not just like the physical place, but a kind of almost spiritual, ancestral, and physical connection mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. to the land. Mm-hmm. So people from many who have been away from India for many generations, still there were, mm. is back many generations back in India. And this is something that many anthropologists, uh, I have like a whole chapter in my book about this. And I know people have written literally whole books about <laughs> the meaning of this word. Mm-hmm. or in the power of it. Interesting. Very, Very nice. Cool. I yeah. like that. Francine, do you have a word for us? A word that I like from Indonesian, and it kind of translates, but the connotation is a bit different, mm-hmm. is hati-hati. And so it, we could maybe translate it as, like, be careful, but it's a... It's a parting phrase that mm. you're told when you're about to go out. But also mm. hati, it's H-A-T-I dash H-A-T-I. Hati itself means heart. And mm. so it's like basically like I care about you. Please be careful as you go. And it's not a like I'm so worried about you. Be careful kind of thing. But just like a very kind parting phrase mm-hmm. that um, when I was in Indonesia my first time, that's every time I would go out, my, my host family would nice. say hati hati. That's great. Emily, what about you? That's um, a really hard question. Mm -hmm. I have a very basic conversational understanding of Korean. Um, Honestly, I think my favorite Korean word, I don't know if you can put this on the podcast. (laughs) 
We'll see. We'll see. Well, how now, okay. now we want to hear it. No oh, it's just—it's it, really simple. It's a chimak. It's just the word for chicken and beer. Like they have a word just for chicken and beer together. So it's uh, such a great combination. I don't know if a great I can culture. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh... I was like, I don't know if I can talk about beer on this podcast. Of course, yes. we will have a we will have a tasting around beer too. Perfect. I mean, I, I, of, course, of course. I've done many uh, job interviews that are like half Korean, half English, and they'll oh. always ask like the first thing they're like, "Well, why do you want to work for us?" And I'll jokingly say like in Korean. That I want to work here because I like to have chimak because I think it's beautiful that they like it so much. There's a single word <laughs> for chicken and beer together. Fantastic. Um, and that that line has gotten me many jobs in Korea. <laughs> That's awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Daniel, Shavin, Francine, and Emily. It's been a pleasure to join thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We are back next week with Dr. Mari Noda, who gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series. Hear more about how we should fail better as we learn to participate in another culture. Until then... Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners. And do stay tuned for our next episode. And as you will edit out what I'm saying right now as part of that as well. Wow. Okay. Mean. I like it. I like it. Creating work for Sam. Just getting meta. I, was, I, I listened to the last podcast where like Sam spliced in the Spice Girls for right? you. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm, uh-huh. I'm not. A, I'm. I'm. I'm a fan as well as, as a follower. I follow your podcast as. That is great.